ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. For all your news on hockey, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, and more, you've come to the right place. And now, it's time for your hosts, Nick McVicker, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji. We are back, boys. It's been a busy, busy week for myself, but mostly for sports included. Nick McVicker joined through the Garage Door Sports Cup phone by my two great co-hosts, Kyle Vardy and Irfan Manji. Kyle, how are you doing this morning? Doing good, but looking at my bracket right now, I'm not happy with how it's gone so far. Yeah, I think a lot of people woke up this morning like, uh (laughs) uh-oh, the brackets are officially busted. Uh, Irfan, how are you doing? Great. Great. I picked the best bracket ever, guys. Come on. Oh, we'll get into um, that. Don't worry. Uh, no, chilling. <laughs> chilling, chilling. It's Saturday. Chilling. Well, we got a lot to talk about, obviously, leading off with the NC2A bracket in our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. If you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferraro brothers, Daniel and Gabe, are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. You can visit them at CanadaKickingAcademy.com or follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. And boys, because we're talking college ball, we got to bring in our college ball expert, Kellen Forrest from On The Mic joins us. Kellen, how are you doing today, man? I'm ecstatic because it's another Christmas morning for me, basically. Uh, There was one yesterday and then there's another one today. So uh, we get a full day of NCAA basketball again and then two more on the uh, on Sunday, Monday here. And so I I can't complain, even though like like the boys pointed out, my bracket is also up in flames. Um, (laughs) We're we're just going to move past it and we're just going to enjoy the basketball now pretty much. Well, that's the beauty of this tournament is that even once your team is out, you can still enjoy the fun, that you can still enjoy the madness, as they call it. And man, was there a lot of madness yesterday. Upsets all over the bracket. Uh, Big teams going down. North Carolina loses for the first time under Roy Williams in the first round. Crazy. Never saw that one coming. (laughs) Well, they, they didn't just lose. <laughs> they, 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 got shit, they got shit pumped. <laughs> Valid point, Kyle. Kyle, that's a good point. Uh, but there was there was a lot of really good basketball, and it started in that Virginia Tech-Florida game, eh, Kellen? Like, you saw it go right down to the wire. Virginia Tech hits the three to send it to overtime. It was just great basketball. Yeah, no, you can't really complain about, especially even starting in the play-in games, right? Like those those four play-in games were amazing. The Michigan State UCLA one, it was a cr- crazy comeback by UCLA. And then, yeah, you're right. You start with an overtime game in the very first game of the tournament. And then right after that, you get probably the, one of the craziest upsets of the, the past few years in Oral Roberts taking out Ohio State, right? Only the ninth time in an NCAA tournament history that a ninth – a 15 seed has taken out a two. So anytime that happens, it's going to mess up a lot of brackets. Uh, hopefully no, not many people had Ohio State winning, but I'm sure there was a few of the people out there. One of our friends, Haley, I'm sure had them winning it all. So of course yeah, her bracket's uh, probably doing a little worse than ours. 
Oh, she definitely had Ohio State winning. I saw her bracket posted on uh, on Twitter. So oh, she, I heard she was helping some people with some brackets too. Her so the that... women's bracket. She was helping people with women's brackets. Oh, okay. I thought she was helping with regular brackets. I, I she put out a tweet yesterday where uh, she said she did help help some people with the brackets. Well, she said I, women's I, I, brackets. If you saw the tweet, it said no, women's but brackets. no, she did another one that was actually the men's brackets too. Oh. And she had Ohio State going top four. So. I mean, I think I had them going to the Elite Eight. I thought they were they were a solid team all year. No one expected Oral Roberts to do what they did. So that guy. I mean, yeah, it, it was interesting because the Big Ten is was supposed to be the best conference all year, and obviously they still have some great teams in like Illinois, Michigan. But two of their best teams, both Purdue and Ohio State, get upset in the first round last year. So that was that was interesting to see, at least from from everybody talking about how good the Big Ten is, and then some of their better teams getting ousted in big upsets. So we'll see if that continues this today. Yeah. And we, we can talk about those other upsets that we like Oral Roberts was obviously the big one being a 15, but we also had a 14, a 13, a 12 and a nine all go through. Uh, did any of those really stand out to you, uh, Irfan? Um, obviously we, we touched base on it, but, uh, the Ohio game was the biggest surprise for me. But I mean, if you look at my entire bracket, I picked all the upsets, so, uh, I'm okay. I'm okay with the upsets. That's the reason why March madness is always crazy is because there's going to be upsets. There's going to be teams that you think shouldn't win. And then they're going to go and win a game. So I'm okay with it. Nothing really surprised me. I mean, obviously, uh, more, uh, you know, West Virginia played well, that was good. Uh, Syracuse beating uh, San Diego State was a bit of a surprise because I think San Diego going into March Madness was doing pretty well. They were pretty hot. They were um, playing some good defense, playing some good ball, and then just weren't able to really close it out. And I think that's the beauty of the tournament is teams that even if they're seated at 13 or they're seated at 12, they, they still have pretty good seasons. I mean, you look at Liberty's record, for example, they're 23 and five and they beat Oklahoma uh, State. So, I mean, anything can happen this year. So, uh, I mean, other than that, no, 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 no big surprise. Fair enough. Uh, what about you, Kellen? I mean, yeah, you look at the Ohio state one and, and the North Texas one is a bit, bit interesting to me. Like Purdue, they had been playing pretty good down the stretch. They have a seven footer Can- Canadian kids, Zach Eady. He was playing his best basketball. And I mean, it, it's hard sometimes because there's so many teams in college basketball and you just, you don't know about some of these smaller schools. Like it's just impossible to watch North Texas, right? As, as good as they probably were, they won their conference tournament. So they must be a solid team, but some of these teams, you just, you, you don't know enough about, and then they come in and they look pretty good. So who's to say now North Texas can't go on a little bit of a run here. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's as Irvon parts out, that's part of the fun of the tournament, right? Is seeing these smaller schools get a chance against some of these, big powerhouse schools and show that they can compete with them for sure. Kyle, your thoughts on that? Um, I'm going to go against what Irfan said, because I thought San Diego state was one of the most overrated teams in this mm. bracket. I don't think they deserved a sixth spot. And I had Syracuse slapping them. And honestly, uh, for a team that puts up 18 points in 20 minutes, you don't deserve to win a game. So um, <laughs> it's simple as that. Uh, yes, Oral Roberts is the most surprise for me, but in personally with my bracket, the biggest surprise was Oregon State against Tennessee. Oregon State was good going into the tournament, but I thought Tennessee had more momentum and honestly had more firepower behind them, and they just didn't show up. So 
to me, that was, that was the biggest surprise on my end. Um, the entire top half of the South bracket is absolutely destroyed for me. So we're not going to talk about that. Um, I don't want to steal Knicks, but North Carolina as well. So. Yeah. Well, I, I wasn't necessarily surprised. I picked North Carolina to lose just because I thought the ACC, I think the ACC got overrated uh, when it came to the bracket this year, just because I don't think the conference had a great season. But because it's the ACC, they got a little bit of a boost in some of the spots. So I actually thought Wisconsin was the better team, which is why I picked them in my bracket. The only one that I missed in the north, in the south at the top half of the bracket was the Purdue-North Texas game because I was never going to pick that. If I, if you gave me 100 chances, I might have picked it once. It was just not going to happen just because I thought Purdue was the better team. Clearly, I was very, very wrong. Um, the Midwest bracket went almost exactly how I thought it was going to go. The only game I got wrong in that one was a Syracuse-San Diego State game. I actually did pick San Diego State. I don't know why now that I think about it, but I picked San Diego State. I had all the other ones. I had Rutgers winning. I had Oregon State winning. I was proud of myself, and then that game happened, and I was no longer proud of myself. But it's interesting. you got to love seeing these kind of games, and you got to love seeing the madness. But there's also the flip side of it, and we do have to talk about this, and this is the discrepancy between the men's tournament and the women's tournament. And it was became very, very obvious, very fast what was going on yesterday when Oregon's Prince uh, posted a video comparing the two venues and comparing the two amenities. And it, it's disappointing is not even a, a good enough word to explain what it was. The women have one tiny rack of weights. And that's what the NC2A called a weight room. That's that's not good enough, and I, I don't know about you, Calum, but it, it kind of was. It looked like it was a giant leap backwards for the NC two A when it came to women's basketball. I mean, yeah, you want to be shocked and appalled at the NC two A for their decision making around some of this stuff, but then then again, you look at the NCA and how much they've taken advantage of their athletes over these years, right? And this is just another case of them not making the right decision when it comes to supporting their athletes, especially their women athletes, right? I mean, yeah, you look at that video, they claim they did not have the space to put a weight room in. And then she clearly shows an empty room with a bunch of chairs just sitting there. And there was, there was tons of space for some squat racks and anything. I don't know if they just assumed they were very sexist in that they assumed women don't lift weights or that they would, wouldn't want to. I, I don't understand the decision-making that went into the decision that was made. And it, it was clearly a terrible one, as you guys saw. And it's not even just the weight room. Like Prince was highlighting the weight room. But Kyle, they talk about the, the meals and stuff in both bubbles. They talk about the goodie bags because the players get goodie bags. It's, it's what they do at all levels, even here in Canada and the U sports national championships and stuff like that. You get a goodie bag. They're not even comparable. It's almost like they forgot about the women's until the last minute and said, yeah, just go out and to the dollar store or something. It looked like, like it's not, it's not even comparable. Yeah. I'm, I'm going through it right now. I'm literally going through all the, all the posts uh, and I honestly don't really know what to say if I'm being quite honest. Um, the food I found, I literally just watched the video of them eating the food and it's actually comical. It's literally as if they heated up hungry man dinners and yeah. then put it in separate containers to act like they actually made it. 
while the men's literally have a buffet of like steak mac and cheese lot like it looks like lobster or like shrimp or something it's like literally surf and turf and it's like yikes it's just and honestly like okay this here we go real real talk do you really expect anything different um yeah considering title 11 says they can't do this i expect it a little bit different i'm not saying i expected it to be even that's that was never you never expect that from the nc2a because it's the nc2a but i thought it would be better than this i'm honestly not surprised which i'm which not is, which is a bad thing like i'm not either on- <laughs> don't don't get me wrong kyle i'm not surprised either but i did expect more yeah like i i expect more obviously um I don't want. I don't know what the numbers are, but I'm assuming the men's tournament pulls in more money than the women's t- tournament. That's just kind of a, an assumption I'm going to yeah. make, just based on previous experience. Um, and and I, I get maybe that's the reason behind the whole you know bigger goodie bags because they obviously have more sponsors and so on and so forth. You got to put more stuff in the, in the goodie bag, whatever it may be. But <clears throat> like, what, the truth is out there now. What the re, like what the realism is between the two tournaments, and it's. I'm interested to see what the next steps are. Apparently they are working on getting the weight room and stuff improved for Saturday as of today. So we'll see what actually happens with that. I don't know, but um, there's like three full gyms of space in that area. So it's like, at least (laughs) like, it's like one of those, like, really? Like, I don't know. I think this is an embarrassment to the uh, NC2A, and I think that they will respond swiftly because I don't think they want to be uh, have that embarrassment on the on their back. I, I think that they will respond swiftly and at least do something. Will it be meaningful? No. Will it cover up the patch um, to make this go over? They will probably do something to appease people. Well, I don't know if you guys saw. It was pretty pretty bad look now but they the nca march madness official twitter account actually tweeted out a time-lapse video of them setting up the men's gym facility so putting all the squat racks and stuff every everywhere and they are taking some heat on that tweet right now saying like show the women's one right like it would be it would be one second long it would just be placing a set of dumbbells <laughs> no 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 sorry you sorry see, you see one guy just sneak over and just place yeah. the rack hold on no no no. even better it would be 10 <clears throat> seconds long because he puts the rack down and then puts the weights one by one just to try to lengthen the video Irfan, <laughs> uh, uh, jump in on this man like i, yeah, I, I don't just, know what else i'm to stuck say. on a i'm stuck on one article where it's the only reason why the nc2a even said anything was because they were exposed on twitter oh. by there is no freaking way that the like I don't know. I'm reading this. This this kind of reminds me of that situation with the WNBA over the summer bubble when um, a couple of the stars compare their food to what the men's side was getting it. And I went, is this happening again? Like, did you not learn anything from the summer when you're playing games like this or you're playing tournaments like this or there's situations like this? Like, I'm sure, you know, the, the WNBA and the NBA both got flack for it um, and, and they were doing the most that they could and they still got flack for what they were doing. Um, and now it's happening again. So, I mean, I'm reading this article where, you know, give it, Dan, give it is like, well, this one's on me. We'll get it fixed as soon as possible. But then you have people saying that we fell short in what we were preparing. And it's like, okay, great. You know that you were going to have March Madness this year for both sides. A little bit of 
planning should have been better. And if you can't do it, then I'm sure there's a bunch of students in sports management programs that would take this opportunity and run with it and actually do a good job because it would improve their skills. So give it to people that are interns to, to give them an opportunity. But at the same time, like you have three or four head honchos here. Like I'm reading this article and I'm like, I'm stunned. Like Kyle said, I'm stunned. Like I'm not surprised that it happened, but the fact that, you know, the only reason they're responding or they're coming up with stuff is because people put them under the bus. That's the only reason why there's no way if nobody says anything about it, that there would have been like, this is acceptable and we're going to move on with it. So I think it's a little ridiculous. We're in 2021 and we've seen the fight with women's sports and men's sports fighting for equality teams, fighting for equal pay. Like we see the women's national team for soccer, do it. We see a lot of other teams trying to fight for it and it's happening. So like, this is just ridiculous that we're stuck in the past. Agreed. 100% agree. And I know we're going to, we're going to see more of it, unfortunately, as they continue to fight. Um, I saw, I was listening to a sports center this morning as I was eating my breakfast and they compared it to Firefest. Like the, the, what they were doing for the women's was Firefest. And then what the men were getting was like burning man and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're getting all this stuff. And okay, so that's a very interesting comparison. Um, but I guess, yeah, that makes sense. The other thing that really threw me off was that they had Kia nurse on talking about it. Right. Former UConn player. She played in the tournament for four years. And she said when she was in the NC two way, none of this was happening. Like they, they were getting better stuff then than they, than they're getting now. That says a lot, eh, Kellen? Yeah, it's it's very strange. Like, I, I again, I, I don't know if it's just because of the whole COVID bubble situation, but it, it shouldn't excuse it regardless, right? But it, it, I heard her talking about that too. So they clearly kind of were trying to do it and abide by Title IX in earlier in the tournaments before. But I don't know what happened. And as, as Irfan pointed out, it just – it seems insane to me that they did they just think these women were just going to put up with it and not say anything about it like they, they everything was just going to kind of fly under the radar because yeah they they weren't going to say anything about it until one of the players brought attention to it as she should so yeah it's a it's a it's a troubling situation and i hope they do fix it right away here and for the future that's for sure yeah mm-hmm. well before we let you go kellen let's let's get a positive note to, to send you out here Lots of games happening this weekend. Give us the game that you are most looking forward to watch. Not necessarily bet on, not necessarily you, you think they're gonna, it's going to be a great game, but the one that you are most looking forward to watch. I mean, that LSU-St. Bonaventure game is probably one of the best games of the tournament. You always get some good games in the 8-9 matchup just because they're kind of two equally matched teams. And um, LSU is uber-talented. They just They just... Uh, lost to a good Alabama team in the SEC championship. Um, but this St. Bonnie's team is also very good. And they, they've been on a run lately. So I think we get it. We get it at 1145. It's one of the morning set of games. And I'm sorry, Nick, but whoever wins that game and Irfan might be onto something, whoever wins that game might have a chance to take out Michigan in the next round, just because Michigan, they've Isaiah livers is not going to play this weekend. And Michigan, they've been a little shaky down the stretch. So I'm not going to say LSU is going to win the whole thing like Irfan has, but <laughs> I could see them maybe getting out of the first, first weekend of the tournament. Listen, I have Bonnie's winning the first game. So let's, let's see how that plays out, eh, Irfan. 
Listen, I'm just fingers crossing here because I want them to win one game so I can say, hey, I picked something right. But um, I'm telling you, it's an upset. An upset team's going to win this year. And then watch me be wrong because it's going to be Zega. And we're going to be like, oh, well, okay. Yeah, Zega is going to win the whole thing. <laughs> like, well, damn. Yep. All right. Well, that'll do it for our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. If you're looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. You can visit them at CanadaKickingAcademy.com or follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. Kellen, thank you for joining us. We will definitely have you on again before the finals. Talk about your final four and everything. But until then, thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to you later. Yeah, thanks, thanks for man. having me, boys. Enjoy Cheers. the basketball. We're going to take a quick break here on the show and we will be right back with more uh, talking a little Toronto sports after this. Good day, everybody. This is Ryan from 20 Minutes on Ice. Join me and my co-host, Nick McVicker, for opinions and analysis on the week that was in the hockey world. New episode available every Friday, wherever you download your favorite podcast from. 20 Minutes on Ice, part of the Garage Door Sports Network. Boys, we are back. It was awesome having Kellen on. We will definitely get him back in, but let's switch from college ball to the pros, and we got to talk about what is going on with the Toronto Raptors since the turn of the calendar to March. Oh, my goodness gracious, they have been awful seven straight losses and not really in many of those games either. I know that they had injuries. Well, not injuries. They had the COVID issue where three out of their starting five were down, Mm -hmm. but you can't be losing to Detroit twice and (laughs) Chicago and Charlotte. Like this is, these are teams that you should not be losing to by the scores that they were losing to at one point. The Utah Jazz, I can kind of give a, give a pass on because they're the best team in the league right now. That's Boston's probably one of the closest team. games, too. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was the second closest game out of all of them, though. The Boston game, I can, I can forgive as well because Boston's a good team. But come on, you cannot be losing seven straight games when you're trying to fight for a playoff spot. I don't care if COVID is the issue. You got to have some sort of answer. And Nick Nurse, I don't know if you guys heard this comment yesterday in his press conference before the game, but... He said, we got our five guys back now, but outside of that, it's a toss-up. Well, he didn't – I'm paraphrasing a little bit. But he said it's a toss-up. We're back at square one. We don't know – we don't really know what the rotation is anymore. That's a problem midway through the season, Kyle. Oh, 100%. And and honestly, like, yes, there's a few – like, like Charlotte is a good team. They are currently sixth in the East. So, do they deserve to beat them? Probably not. I don't think I don't think this Raptors team is as good as everybody thinks they are. Right? They have their starting five, but realistically, their starting five I don't think it, it is dominant by any means compared to what it was. The reason why the Raptors won when they did was because their bench was so good, and their bench is non-existent now. So um, that is why they're losing so many games. Obviously, the COVID issue has a whole different problem as well, but their bench is non-existent. And honestly, mm-hmm. when, when, when the only person coming off the bench is Terrence Davis, and, and even then he's been okay, yeah. th- there's a problem, right? And, and it's one of those, you know, that, and that's why teams like Detroit end up beating you. And, and it's not good to say, 
know, it, it was a good effort last night against Utah. I'll give them that. You know, they won, they lost by three points of the best team in the NBA right now. And honestly, at the end of the game, that shot, I thought it went in and I thought they were going overtime. That's the Akram shot. I actually thought oh. that was in. As a better, I was hoping for because I had Utah by four, so it screwed me. But um, <laughs> honestly, it was one of those, they, they, they are playing, they played well for one game. I'll give them that. The other games previously, not so much. The Atlanta game, they deserve to win, but obviously Snell hit a three with literally no time left on the clock. So that happens. <clears throat> obviously you can't ha- let that shot happen, but they probably deserve to win that game. So, you know, I'll give them that. Other than that, they haven't really been in any other game realistically. Yep. So um, as a Raptors fan, you know, anybody listening, brace yourself. It's not Bunker getting down. much better. Bunker down. Mm-hmm. And and you talk about Charlotte. Yes, they're sixth, and Boston's technically eighth right now. They're on a three-game losing streak. But when they were when they beat the Raptors, they were a little bit higher. The three-game losing streak doesn't help, obviously. Yep. Um, but Atlanta's on a hot streak now. When they beat the Raptors, mm-hmm. they were just starting the hot streak. Mm-hmm. Charlotte's twenty and twenty, so that's a team that the Raptors are supposed to be fighting for a playoff spot with. Atlanta's twenty-one and twenty, same thing. Boston's twenty and twenty-one, same thing. Those are teams that you are supposed to be fighting with and beating if you want to be a playoff team. Chicago is also one uh, game and a half up on the Raptors now. So it's those are the mm-hmm. teams you are supposed to be beating, right? Or if one, like you need to be beating those teams if you want to be a playoff team. And the Raptors just aren't. No. And I mean, you go back to what Kyle said, the bench isn't good. If we've known Nick Nurse for the last three years is he never has a set lineup. He knows who his five best players are, but he's never going to always start them at the same time because he likes that rotation. He likes matchups a little bit more. He'll go small. He'll go big. Like that's what he likes. He had the luxury of doing that. But again, back to the summer, losing Ibaka and losing Gasol. Um, and then Siakam just not being Siakam, OG not playing well. I mean, you have Lowry as your best player and he's your oldest player. Um, no knock to him, but you need everyone else on that team to really step up and they just haven't. And I think um, Nurse doesn't have the ability to switch things around. And that's probably why I was a little frustrated yesterday or been frustrated over the last couple of weeks. It's just, you know, he likes to roll different things in different matchups and he's not getting them. And I, I think, like Kyle said, brace yourselves if you're Raptors fans. I mean, they weren't going to finish in the top four. Like that wasn't, what's going to happen with this team. They're still good, but they're not a top four team. Um, but, you know, take away that seven game losing skid that they had, they would have been at 500 and probably in a playoff spot if they were able to turn a couple of those games the other way. Um, but this is a different Raptors team. Um, they're going to probably have to do a soft rebuild this off season um, and give Nick Nurse the, the luxury that he likes is having options come off the bench because the options just haven't been good. Uh, that's 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 as simple as that yeah no you're right and i mean you look at some of the season rankings like they're 17th in points per game 13th in assists per game 17th in uh oppg what's oppg opponents points per game and they're 30th in rebounds mm-hmm. that's not what's good their, what's their defense at they're uh let me pull it up one second. Sorry. Cause like that's been a massive 
change as well is that their defense um, hasn't been clinical as, as has been in the last two, three years. So yeah. that's, that's also hurting them. They're just not protecting the rim or they're just not able to get the rebounds. Like you said, they're, they're, they're ranked pretty low there. Um, I mean, at one point, Kyle Lowry was leading the team in rebounds and he's one of the smallest guys on the team. So that, that tells you something. That tells you a lot right there. You're right. It's, it's just tough to watch because we've seen this team be so, strong the last few years and then now it's just like they they forgot how to play the game that we love we started loving watching them play it's just not the same team kyle honestly and and it's one of those i i think i think we were all jaded by the fact that you know they had won two years ago right and it was it was that you know Kawhi was there and everything was great and as soon as as Kawhi left we still had a great season last year it was like one of those like you know they did well but you know People get older, things go on. Like the same core can't run back multiple, multiple times. And and at a certain point, when you lose either your bench or you lose, you know, some starters and stuff like that, it it, it plays a factor. And I think the biggest thing is the Raptors played themselves this offseason by trying to um, save money with Ibaka and sign Mark Gasol back with Ibaka's money as well, and end up losing them both. And mm-hmm. and because of that, they have no big man presence and, and you know props to Boucher but he is not a guy who I want going up and getting boards he's just not that guy that's not his role uh, his, his role is he's 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 basically a stretch four is basically what he is mm-hmm. um, he's a very long stretch four yeah and, and it's one of those but the thing is we already have Siakam at that point so like he's he's redundant basically what it is and they spent all the money in the offseason by re-signing him so and that's no fault on Boucher. I think he's going to be a good player, but they need a big guy. They need Andre Drummond, basically, is what they need to just go and get boards and just do that. They like to me, the perfect guy for them would be like a Steven Adams player. Yeah. Literally can't shoot worth a shit, can't th- shoot a free throw, but my God, will he get you a rebound? And, <laughs> he and will one of those, fight you for that rebound. Like, he's like, he's like, like, not obviously, this is a very, broad uh comparison he's like the dennis rodman type thing right he, yeah. he can't he can't score like unless he unless he dunks the ball unless probably, he's two probably, feet from the basket <laughs> probably is not going to score but can get you can he get you 10 11 rebounds a night 100 percent. so yeah. I, it's it's one of those as a raptors fan I, it's one of those it's, it's hard to watch right now um which also then makes me not watch it all so um it's just one of those it, it's it's tough times ahead and I'm not looking forward to it. So yeah. I'd say do damage control for the rest of the season. Hopefully you finish in a top ten position, look for the positives and go up to the next season. That's just what you're gonna have to do at this point. Do you wanna finish in a top ten or do you wanna be in the bottom and try to get a, a lottery pick? No, I think that title goes to the Rockets or the Pistons are probably the two worst teams in the league or the Rockets, not even the Timberwolves are still sliding worse than than the Rockets and the Rockets are on a 19 game losing streak. So there's three teams that are, uh, give them the bottom. I think the, the, the Raptors need to look for more of the positives and try and stay up the other way. Well, the the Wizards are playing a lot better ball, so they should pass us. Uh, We played Cleveland on Monday, I think is what it is. So. Um, and they beat us earlier. And realistically, they probably should beat us again. So, yep. um, yes. I don't know. They play Sunday. Sorry, Sunday. But 
either way, it's it's free falling right now, and it's not looking good. So seven straight is not good. And on the flip side, the other Toronto team in midseason is also not looking too hot right now. The Leafs, since March third, are two and six. Two and six is that's that's no, that's not good enough for a team that is supposed to be the best team in the North Division. Their only wins coming against Edmonton in that six-one blowout on the third. And an OT win against Winnipeg on the 11th. The other games, they lost 3-1 to Vancouver, 4-2 to Vancouver, 4-3 to Winnipeg, 5-2 to Winnipeg, 4-3 to Ottawa. And then last night, they lost 4-3 to Calgary. The big story is obviously Freddie Anderson, if if he is the answer right now and he's not looking like it. And I'm not saying Jack Campbell is the answer or whatever. I'm just saying Freddie is not looking right right now. Something is wrong. He says there's an injury that he's fighting through, but mm-hmm. is that just a cover up or fun or is that a legitimate thing? Do you think? Cause it only came out after this sort of streak. It came out right before the Calgary game. And then he, he's like, Oh yeah, I've been fighting through an injury. Well, you lost five of your last six games there, buddy. Like that's, now's a weird time to kind of be bringing that up, especially after four days off. I think if you're a Leafs fan or just a fan in general, looking at this, he's led or carry this Toronto team for a while. When they were not very good, he was standing on his head for a very long time. So I think I give him the benefit of the doubt. I know it's a losing streak, but like, look at the standings. Now they're still tied for first, even with their losing streak. So like teams still had to claw back into getting this. And obviously kudos to, to the peg and, and Edmonton for, for realizing that the Leafs are struggling and winning their games when they had to win the games. But um, no, I give Freddie the benefit of the doubt. If I'm, if I'm a fan right now, just because I mean, he's carried you guys for two to three years and in stretches where the defense hasn't been great. And the defense for once this season is actually pretty good. Um, and we haven't said that in three to four, five, six years. Right. So hold, hold, hold on. Irfan. When was the last time we said the Leafs defense was good in our lifetime? Uh, I said it when Thomas Caberlet and Brian McCabe yeah, and Aki That was like 07. Yeah, all right. I was just <laughs> trying to be nice, okay? Listen, um, I say give him the benefit of the doubt. And if he's injured, then you know what? Jack Campbell, go ahead. Give him a couple of starts. Let him get it under his belt. His safe percentage is better than and Freddie's and, and better than Hutch's. So, you know what? Give them that chance. You're in a slide. Do anything to get out of it. But uh, I wouldn't you know, harp on, on Freddie right now. I mean, if this is a playoffs and you, and they lose again and it's on Freddie, then I say, you know what, reevaluate your options at that point. But um, I give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on that? I would love to give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh... <laughs> Her fun just, but, eyes just got really I, big there. But I can't. But, but, I can't. but you're a Leafs fan and you can't and you have to pick one player to, <laughs> to go after. Uh, it's not that no it's, it's just we've been giving the benefit of the doubt for no, four years on having such inconsistent play and we we've been well you know he saves our ass half the time well yeah he all half the time he also costs us the game because he gives up four goals to fucking defensemen from the goddamn point that just go straight in the net like you, you can't have that as a as a top team you can't have a goalie that just sits there like this oh please hit me please hit me please hit me like it just doesn't work. And and to me, it's one of those if he's injured, don't play the goddamn game. I don't care I think the who the backups is. is. I think I the problem care. was is that no, 
I believe their problem was is that they wanted Campbell to back him up, but Campbell's not fully healthy either, so they didn't want to put him in the game. Well, I understand that, but at the same point, like if Anderson can't play, get somebody next man up, get somebody else. Like Hutch just don't trust Hutch. They don't trust him. That's the only problem. It doesn't matter. At this point, you can't trust Anderson. Like (laughs) fair. If they both let in four goals, it doesn't matter who the fuck the name is. Like (laughs) that's that's a valid point. That's the (laughs) like it's four goals against, yeah. It's 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 four goals against and it's five goals you have to put up to win the game. So it's like one of those like it, it doesn't matter who it is in the net. If he's if he's injured, get healthy so then when you come back, you're good to go for playoffs. That's the biggest biggest thing. Yeah. The Leafs should make the playoffs based on the current standings. They should make the playoffs. It shouldn't be a problem. Like realistically, should do, are, are they like are they gonna get number one? Probably not. I don't think so anymore. Um, hmm. it's just the sad reality. I think right now Winnipeg's probably the best team in that division right now. Just because Hellebuck's flying on on all uh, cylinders, and the Jets are actually scoring—that's the biggest thing. Their defense has been admir- uh, has been serviceable, I guess is what you could say. Um, but the Jets are scoring; they're getting goaltending. That's the biggest thing right now. That that was the Leafs at the beginning of the season. They were getting scoring and they were getting goaltending all all in one. Well, they weren't necessarily and, getting great goaltending; they were getting good enough goaltending to back up the scoring. Well, yeah, yeah but but even then, in they, a division that's goaltending hasn't really been great. Yeah, well, they no, were it's better it's than that. There's literally been. There's been one team with goaltending all season, and that's Winnipeg. They've had goaltending yeah. all season. The beginning of the season, they couldn't score a goal to help their goaltending, so they were losing yeah. games 2-1. The whole division is anti-goaltending. Ex- again, way. except for the Jets. Hellebuck and Brossois, you have to give them credit. They both have plus uh, above 920 save percentages and goals against averages below 350. Or actually below three, I think, both of them. That's they're good 15th, They're 15th in the league for goals, goals allowed. But they're that's because they give up like 150,000 shots. <laughs> yeah, they're 25th in the league for shots against. Yeah, so and that's my point. Like, where are the other teams below them? Uh, I just have the, I just pulled up their stats. I didn't actually oh, pull up the real stats, stats, but give me a second, I can actually do yeah. that. Uh, so I'm like, you're probably looking at the Ducks. You're probably looking at the Sabers at the give bottom. Up a ton of shots. They did the other night. Okay, so was, wait, that was a lot for them. Are, are we wanting shots against per game? Is that what we're looking for? Yeah, I, I think, think that's what you said. Yeah. Uh, Chicago, Vancouver, San Jose, Ottawa, Detroit, New Jersey, and then Winnipeg. Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Goals against per game. Uh, the teams that are have better goals against per game are Pittsburgh, L.A. Florida, Toronto, Montreal, Rangers, Hurricanes, Dallas, Minnesota, Tampa, Colorado, Boston, Islanders, Knights. Hmm. Yeah. So the there, middle of the pack. There's, there's, well, and basically the, the teams that are above them are like Ball Edmonton, Boston. Calgary, Vancouver, uh, Ottawa, like that kind of stuff, all in their same division, right? So that's it's true. like, yeah. yeah, that's a good point. That's a good it, point. It's, it's one of those like, yes, they have, had, have they had good goaltending? Sure. I wouldn't say it's been great by any means. Hellebuck has had great spurts. I don't think I said um, great. I said good. You said the division was anti-goaltending. I said what well, is, and, and honestly, I wouldn't even that good goaltending. But I, I, I wouldn't even give Winnipeg like uh, any any sort of step up there. To be honest, have they had spurts of it? Yes, and that's honestly probably the recent probably ten games you could give them that where that's the reason why Winnipeg is there. Um, but before that, I don't know. Anyways, either way, goaltending yeah. is not the biggest upside in the North Division. So, um, I'm interested to see if Campbell is truly healthy. 
I think they're going to give him a couple games to go uh, yeah. go run with it. Uh, I think they have to. I think uh, at this point, it's one of those, uh, if Anderson truly is injured, go to the injured list, get healthy, and come back when you're truly ready. Don't just come back because you think you have to come back. Um, and, and, and see where it goes. You know, tonight will be an interesting night. Uh, Campbell starting in the back-to-back. Has that been confirmed? I was waiting for it to be confirmed. Uh, I know every, it's like highly speculated, but I wasn't sure. And, and everything's pointing to him starting, and there hasn't been anything that's saying he's not starting. So, okay. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Tonight will be an interesting night. Fair. See, my my biggest thing with Anderson is that his save percentage is at eight ninety seven, which like that that's a that's a red flag to me. Anytime you're under nine hundred. Mm-hmm. And the one that really scares me is the power play save percentage. His five-on-five five save percentage is 950. That's good. I wouldn't say it's great. It's serviceable. It's above average because I believe average is 910 this season. So it's above the median. His power play save percentage is 783. When you're looking at the top goalies in the league, like Vasilevsky is at eight. 49. Like, obviously, your save percentage is going to be down on the power play because that's just the way it works. 849 for Vass. Marc-Andre Fleury, 895. Semyon Varlamov from uh, the Islanders, 888. Philip Grubauer from Colorado has a 926 save percentage on the power play when Mm -hmm. they're killing power plays. That's fantastic. Out of the top... I'm just going to go through this quickly. Like, out of the top 20 goalies for wins this season... Anderson's the only one with a power play save percentage under 800. Mm-hmm. That's that's concerning if you're a Leafs fan. I'm not saying it's the end-all, be-all, but that's concerning, right, Irfan? Of course. I mean, well, I think that that also tells you that that penalty kill needs to needs to change up their their formation or something just to to stop giving up shots. Because I mean. They'll give up shots expecting Andy to make that save, but he's not going to make them if he's he's struggling for fitness or health or whatever the hell's going on. Whatever he's saying is happening. Um, <clears throat> I think you know. Let's fix the PK. Let's see if that makes a difference. No matter what goalies in net, can you keep the puck out of your net? On the yeah, you got to kill something. Like I mean, in the playoffs when you're playing five on five and it's like zero zero up until the last three minutes of the game and someone gets a power play and they score what are you going to say it's on it's on your your forwards for not scoring yeah obviously but you're also going to look at your your kill there and go we've been poor all season now so are you surprised no should you be surprised a little bit yeah because it's the playoffs and it should be tighter so um let's just hope that yes they'll finish in the top four they are a playoff team there's no doubt about it but come playoff time you got you got it shore up some issues so i hope that uh sheldon keith and co can can do that right now like this is the time to play around with it and figure it out and no matter who starts in goal like whether that's hutch or, or campbell or even freddie then you got to be able to, to to turn it around for sure i agree with you both um we're going to take another quick break jordan mcdonald's going to bring his fantasy piece and where to find them right now and when we come back we're going to talk a little bit of a positive toronto sports story boys i swear we're not all negative here so we'll be right back after this break. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Fantasy Beasts and Where to Find Them. I am your host, Jordan McDonald. Now, you may be wondering about my background. Yes, it is Lucas Oil Stadium. The reason why I have Lucas Oil Stadium as my background is because, one, 
It's my favorite NFL stadium. And two is where March Madness is being held. So I figured what an appropriate background to use. Now I've got three players for you today. Two forwards, one defense. Both forwards are less than 40% owned in Yahoo and ESPN. And they're kind of similar in a sense. First player is Jaden Schwartz. He's coming back from injury, which kept him out for about 15 games. He's recorded nine points in 14 games. has been a plus nine in those games. He's getting slotted back on the second line with Braden Shen and Tarasenko. He's also slated to be on the second power play. Could see time on the first player power play, who knows? Like I said, come back from injury, so a lot of people might have forgotten about him. So if he's available on your on your waiver wire or in free agency, maybe pick him up if you if you need the points. Another player I've been looking at is Andre Burakovsky for the Colorado Avalanche. Like Schwartz, he is under 40% owned in Yahoo and ESPN, so could be available in your leagues. For the season, Burakovsky has recorded 19 points in 25 games and plays on the second line as well with Kadri and Brandon Saad. Also on the second power play. Uh, has seen some time on the first power play, but you know, there's a lot of offensive talent on that team, so it, it's tough to get into that group of five. But like I've said before, anybody who gets injured on that top unit, one of the most likelier players to see himself there. And my last player is a guy who's only played one NHL game, Jamie Drysdale for the Anaheim Ducks. In his NHL debut, he scored a goal and an assist. Is he able to repeat that? Who knows, but I'm willing to take the chance. Pick him up if you need points from your D-man. I've been saying that literally every time I've been on here. Finding a D-man that can get you points is really hard to find on a free agency. If you play in a keeper league or a dynasty league, Drysdale should already be on your team. But if you're in a redraft league, pick him up. You never know. Maybe you got a D-man who's not playing as well. Put in Drysdale and see if he uh, will reap the rewards for you. Anyways, this has been a quick fantasy beast of where to find them. I'm Jeremy McDowell. Now back to the show. Thank you, Jordan, for that uh, segment. Again, keep listening. He's going to try to give you his fantasy beast every week because, I mean, we all need fantasy help all the time. Right, Kyle? Absolutely. <laughs> he, yes. doesn't, he doesn't want to comment on me. Yes. <laughs> um, let's flip the script here, boys. We've, we've been bashing Toronto sports. Let's go to a positive Toronto sports story. And I know it's spring training, so you have to take it with a grain of salt. But the Jays are starting to round into form and are looking really, really good right now. A lot of them are showing really good signs, especially Vladdy the last couple of games. He's seven for his last seven at-bats with like five singles, a double and a triple or two doubles or something, something like that. Just ridiculous. Seven for seven. Um, the starting pitching is, has been great in the spring, has the highest – uh, or the lowest ERA amongst all starting pitching units at 143 as of recording today, mm-hmm. when the second ranked team is like 289. That's just ridiculous. Kyle, this is great news for Jays fans, right? Like this is a good thing. It's it's huge optimism, that's for sure. Um, obviously, as I always say when it comes to spring training, take it with a grain of salt, but. This is great news, right? The, the biggest question mark coming into the season was their pitching, 100%. And, and that's, that was the biggest thing was how can their pitching stack up? And, you know, so far in, in, in spring training, Robbie Ray's been hitting 95 to 98 on, the, on the, the radar gun, which is very surprising. You know, wouldn't be surprised if he gets a couple of juice tests just in case. Um, <laughs> but it's one of those, like, that, that's that's been great, you know, Tanner Rourke, which I had mentioned a couple weeks ago, was the big question mark coming in. 
he's been pitching fantastic as well. I think he had a sub three ERA as well throughout the spring. Um, and the biggest thing for him was his control. And he got that under, got that under, uh, under wraps. Um, and the other thing is the, the, the Jays had great young pitching too. You know, we were talking the other day about Alex Manoa was, was pitching fantastic in spring training. Right. And what does that mean for him coming up to the team later in the year? I think it gives him the inside track. I think it gives him a better shot of actually coming up and making an impact. Right. Um, and the, the biggest thing we're not talking about is Tanner Pearson being injured right now. And you mean not, you mean, Nate sorry, Pearson? Nate Pearson, not, not I'm thinking <laughs> Tanner Pearson. Still in hockey mode. I, I literally just read an article on Tanner Pearson. That's why. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, Nate Pearson, right? He's injured right now. We're not even talking about him being in the rotation. If he comes back and and shows what he truly can do, we're talking about a, a Jays rotation that was a question mark going into the season that is now potentially a positive going into the season. So it, there's definitely a ton of room for optimism right now. Yeah, the crazy thing. You talk about the pitching, right? There's only one pitcher who has started a game so far in the in the spring training season, spring training as it is. Mm-hmm. That has an above 360 ERA yeah. for the Jays. One, and it's Anthony K. And in his, that was in his one. I don't know. If, that wasn't in his start because in his start he pitched fantastic. It was in one of his two relief appearances. Yeah, he gave up a few runs. So that's still a positive. He's looked good in two of his three starts or mm-hmm. three appearances. Sorry, Robbie Ray. You mentioned 198 ERA. Tanner Roark's 324. Thomas Hatch, who's made two starts, has a zero ERA. Steven Matz has a zero ERA in two starts, five innings pitch. Mm-hmm. Ryu, 150. Manoa was a zero ERA. Ross Stripling, 360. Uh, TJ Zook, 129. He made a start. Like These are great numbers going in. And then you look at the hitting, and there's some big names doing big things. Vladdy, 600 batting average in spring training is that realistic for a full season absolutely not but is it a positive going into the season especially because he's getting hot absolutely uh Irfan anything that really stands out for you with this Jays in the spring training so far yeah I have one word for it sharpness they look sharp they look they look good I mean even even the guys whose ERAs have been a little bit high up there, like AJ Cole at the 6.75 there, for example, in relief, he hasn't been awfully bad. He's getting his locations where he's trying to, like, they're all they're all doing well. Like, you can't just say, you know, it's Robbie Ray or Tanner Roark. Obviously, they're the two biggest question marks because it's for the starting rotation. But you go through anybody, even if their ERA is a little bit inflated there, they found points. They're pitching well. They get the pitch that they need. Obviously, they're giving up the run, but it doesn't matter. It's spring training. It's just how are you getting your locations in? And then you also mentioned the, the batting side of it. Like they're just figuring out their timing, trying to see if this is how it's going to be. Um, like Vladdy's been hitting um, in the offseason with with the, the league down south anyway. So he's just getting his mechanics going. He's lost weight. He looks good. So I would say it's sharpness. It's like everyone's found a way to see the ball, uh, throw the ball, whatever their role is on this team. And I think they know their role is this is a young, exciting team. Uh, screw the 10 and seven record because it doesn't matter. But I would say take away all the positives from this team because they look good. They look very good. And, and then that's the sharpness. I don't think you can say screw the 10 and seven record. And I think the biggest thing that you take away from the 10 and seven record is three of their last four losses have been by one run. 
Mm. Those are games that you are in. Those are games that you are competing in. Right. But I say screw it because it's preseason and you don't need to worry about it. But obviously you say we won 10 games and the ones we lost were close, like you're mentioning. But I think, you know, you put it on the side corner because it doesn't really matter what your your record is in preseason. That's what I meant by screw it. For sure. But I want to also point out that they have not won a game by a single run. The closest win that they've had is a two run game to the Phillies at near the beginning of spring training. Every other game that they've played have they've won that they've won. They've won by at least three runs. So that's, that's yeah. a very good sign because that means they're getting the hitting they're getting the runs and they're not giving up a whole lot either. Yeah. Like a lot of them like five, nothing, 10, six, 14, five, four, nothing, four, one. Yeah. Like those are good massive love for massive love for Francisco Lariano who has two holds already. I mean, he's yeah. pitched five uh, played five games pitched to 5.1 innings like he's been good he's finding his command and that's that's super important for him so yeah it's been a collective effort and i think you look at that more so than the record is what i was getting at yeah no so, for sure are, are we worried about bichette hitting 174 no no are you worried about Simeon hitting 214 no, I. Oh, he's just trying to figure out the. They're figuring out where they're going to be in the batting lineup, what kind of pitches they're going to get. Because I mean, yes, we know the best lineup that can possibly put through. It's just I think if you're Montoya, you got to maybe the last three games of preseason get that out for three games or one set series and and see the chemistry coming out of it. So I'd be I'm not too worried about that. I'd be worried if we're like 15 games into the season and that's what's happening because then something needs to change. The thing that I'm worried about personally is the fact that mm. other than Vlad, none of your starters are, are hitting well. Well, Bichio's hitting 273. That's pretty good. I would take 273 right now from Bichio. Sure. During season, sure. But, like, you, mm-hmm. you look at, it, like, the top, basically the top 10 are all filled with either minor league players or backups. You know, maybe... Well, maybe Kirk. Kirk nice, guys, guys, we'll guys, 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 guys. We'll okay, Uh-oh. weirdest thing. I had a dream yesterday that the Jays traded Jan- Danny Jansen. Hold on, and 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 Kirk became the starter. So I don't know if this is going to happen, and I hope they don't trade him. But that was my dream. So for you, you, I know you guys are big. on us here. I was like, sorry, I just got caught off guard when you mentioned Kirk's name. Sorry for interrupting, but I was like, yeah, there was a dream where he's going to be the starter because, um, yeah, I guess it's in there. Anyway, sorry, go back. To be honest, I have no problem with them getting rid of Jan- Danny Jansen. I, I got no problem with that. So. He's a good defensive catcher, but I think Kirk has more offensive upside. Yeah, and, and honestly, the, the league is trending towards not having defensive catchers anymore. The league, the league is trending towards um, having offensive catchers, right? Yeah. Like you, you, you look at it where it's like you know the Dodgers with Will Smith. Will Smith is serviceable as defensively. He but, can catch the, the ball, but he can't. He's not going to block. He, the guy. main reason he's there is the bat, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and the Yankees, Gary Sanchez is not a good catcher. But he can hit. So that's what yeah, he he got Shioka is there for. Yeah. Just call him Kyle. It's a lot easier. <laughs> but if like, I say Kyle, people will think I'm talking about you. No, just Kyle H from the Yankees. You know him. Like, <laughs> just Kyle, Kyle the catcher. <laughs> Kyle the catcher. This Kyle plays first base. So he wasn't a catcher. 100 percent 100 percent There you go. Kyle couldn't See? Kyle couldn't catch if he tried. <laughs> I was a catcher for a couple of years, my guy. No, I'm kidding. Relax. Okay. I was going to say, I'm like, I can catch. I got no problem with that. To get back to your point, though, Kyle, I'm not too concerned because if you look at the one that gets me is the on-base percentage. And guys like Biggio, he's a 448 on-base percentage, right? Tay Oscar, 444, right? Guriel's average is his 
on base percentage. So that's, that is what it is. Marcus Simeon's a 333 on base. Uh, Grichuk 304. Jansen 385. Like those are, those are good numbers. That's kind of what you want. Yes, the average isn't necessarily there, but that means that they're getting on base still. So those are positive things going into the season. So I'm not overly concerned. Mm-hmm. Is there room for improvement? Absolutely. And I think it's going to come when you get more at bats. Like that's just how it works. You get more comfort, right? Or fun. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, a lot of the guys that are not hitting for 300, for example, they're probably getting harder pitches to look at because the other guys are like, well, these guys are good. Let, let me try my best stuff. See if my stuff is working against them. And if it is, it's positive for that guy. Um, but you also have the guys like, you know, uh, Palacios and you have uh, Espinal and, and Kirk and Davis who are inviting like they want roster spots. So obviously they're out there going, OK, this is my show me. I want to be on the team. Even Joe Panic, who's hitting 333. Um, we all know him as a cusp player that might start in Buffalo and come up or maybe be a bench player. But he's also like, hey, guys, I can hit. I've had 21 at bats. I can hit. Um, so he's probably not that he can, but I think it's just trying to hit for that average and, and show Montoyo and co that guys, Hey, uh, I could be serviceable when we, when we get to that option. So those guys that are struggling, we already know they're going to make the roster, but um, it's, it's up to the young guys to kind of step up. And again, see, I that's the way I see it. Palacios is interesting. Yeah. yeah, He's fighting with Jonathan Davis, who Jonathan Davis has done well so far this this spring training. Palacios is so showing he should be a part of that lineup. And right now, Grichuk is showing he should not. So, like, I, I'm interested to see what they do there. He Grichuk's hitting 200 with zero anything. He has one home he, run, sir. Yeah, but he also has a 304 on-base percentage as well. Again, like, he also has less at-bats. Like... <laughs> You have to take it. Spring training is hard to compare that directly. Well, I, I mean, he has, t- he has deserves, 20 at bats, right? I know. I'm, I agree. Palacio deserves a lot of recognition and probably deserves a shot in the lineup. Mm-hmm. I don't think he starts with the team just because I think Davis is the one that they want off the bench because of his stolen bases. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not saying he deserves to be in the lineup. I'm saying he deserves to be on the bench. I think they gave it a Grichik altogether. You put Jonathan Davis in right field and you're set. That's fine. If they're going to yeah. get rid of Grichuk, they get rid of Grichuk. But I'm just saying, like, don't expect Palacios to start the season with the no, team. No, but that, that's they haven't I mean, got rid of Grichuk yet. And that's the thing is, like, I I, th- I think personally, you get rid of Grichuk, right? That's ten million dollars off your cap as well. So there's that. Well, not cap, but salary. Salary. Total. Yeah. The I money. Guess, is what you can call it. <laughs> the money. Um, the money. Right. You get rid of that, and then you bring in you bring in that speed element with with Jonathan Davis into the outfield and into the starting lineup too, right? Because you're you probably have Jonathan Davis hit nine, maybe eight, depending where you put Jansen. Yeah, right? it depends on how they want to utilize him too, right? Like, like if, if they want if they want speed at the top of the lineup to get on base and move people he's around. Not, he's not a leadoff hitter though. I'm saying. not I'm not saying he is, but it, like for a specific game, they might put him I'm at sure. the top just to just to completely sure. screw with the team right like i personally would put him in the nine hole and have him as the guy where you flip the lineup over and you have speed he can drop a bunt down if you need to, to bring up the top of the lineup one, right exactly and yeah. you bring up you bring up the top of the lineup he, he's like he's the transition guy between yeah them. yeah i like I, would, I have no problem with that i would much rather have him there than have jansen as the nine because jansen is not a transition guy trans giant jansen's one of the guys where it's you're hitting nine for a reason my guy like sorry but listen, we love your deal. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and to me, I, I just I don't see Grichuk fitting. That's just my personal. I've never been a fan of him since they signed him. Who? So mm-hmm. Grichuk. Sorry, who was that? Grichuk. Grichuk. Okay. 
Uh, I I was never been a fan, and and honestly, Palacios off the bench would also be a left-handed hitter off the bench compared to Jonathan Davis, who's a righty. So that to me would be huge. It's a good split, and they're both yeah. good defensive pieces that can cover that outfield. So and, and the biggest thing is, is you you have because um, like right now in center field it is Springer. You have Springer in center field, right? You have Gurriel in left. And right now you have potentially Tay Oscar slash Grichuk slash Jonathan Davis in right field, yeah. right? So even if they get rid of Grichuk, you still have Tay Oscar there if you really wanted a right fielder mm-hmm. who's a right-handed bat too. So and, and, then you have, yeah. and then you have potentially Palacios off the bench as well who can be that utility guy. I like it. So that's just me. Yeah, no, I, I have no problem with that. I, again, I, it was sounding like you're thinking that he should get the spot over Grichuk and that's why I was confused. I get if you move, if you mm-hmm. move Grichuk on, Absolutely, hundred percent agree with you. Palacios deserves that the extra spot because we're. I'm assuming that one of Guriel or Hernandez ain't going to be in the outfield, like defensively. One of them will be DHing, or Guriel will be moved to first base. For so where does your boy Kirk go then? That's what I said. Or Guriel goes to first base. Oh. So that Kirk or Telez is the DH. That's what I'm saying. Like one of them so, will. So be... wait, they're going to take over for Vlad then? Well, Vlad's playing third at the moment. No, Cabin's playing third right now. Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, like if, if one of those guys third right now. No, but if it depends on who needs a break, right? Like if Vlad needs a day off, or Biggio needs a day off, or Simeon needs a day off, and they move Biggio to second. Or, like, it depends on who on the infield needs a day off. Because right now, like, I love Santiago Espinal, and he can play short, and he can probably play second. But he's not – or you're not putting him at third, and you're not putting him at first. No, Espinal's, so, the, Espinal's the utility guy. Espinal is the guy that they wanted um, Villar to, uh, VR to be last year. Yeah, when they mm-hmm. panic as well. <laughs> they want yeah. panic to be that, but he's not. Right? Yeah. I just think if you're going to put somebody at first, I would much rather have Biggio – Guriel or Rowdy over Espinal, right? Yep. If you're going to put someone at third, I would much rather Biggio, Vlad, and then I don't know who you would put after that because it's a very weak position for the Jays. The whole... <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, it just depends on who they're going to move. So, yes, there's a chance that you move Guriel into first um, for a game so that you can get Hernandez so you can get Davis so you can get Rowdy so you can get uh, Kirk possibly in the lineup right it depends on the lineup so uh, that's what I'm saying like there's there's a lot of flexibility in the in their I don't want to say lineup again but that's what I'm going to say in their starting nine that they Mm -hmm. could do some really interesting things this year if if Gritchup becomes expendable could they go out and get a third baseman that's actually serviceable no I think they go after a pitcher to be honest yeah, like a starting pitcher. Yeah, yeah. Well, we already talked about it. I, 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 I think if they do that, it's gonna be a ser- it'd be a serviceable number three guy. Basically, is what they're gonna probably potentially get back. Um, I don't think they'll get anything major. Um, obviously, it might be Grichuk and a, a prospect if you want something bigger. Uh, if you want like a number two. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm only well, saying because well, I mean, there's two holes. Like, there's two pretty open holes like i think third base might be a question mark and then starting pitching of course well i, I mean see i don't i don't think third base is a hole i think it's not a hole depth, it could be depth on third depth on third base is the problem yeah okay right now third base it's either vlad or it's biggio 
Because right now, Biggio doesn't have a spot. That's the biggest thing. And that's, that's why the problem. He's I, as, as we talked about, I think he needs to be. I think he's like, he's a leader, I think, in the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily like because he has the veteran presence or anything, but everywhere he's gone, he's been he's been that glue that keeps the team together. I think he needs to find a spot in the lineup, whether it be Vlad ends up at third and Biggio's at first or they flip sides. Like, I think that's how it's going to be. He's going to play a lot of first and third this year, fill in in the outfield if they need him to. He was talking, I saw a story earlier. He has 10 gloves in his locker currently, and there's more coming because Mm -hmm. he has outfield gloves. He has middle infield gloves. He has his corner infield glove. He has uh, two first base gloves. Like, he's got everything. He's ready to go. And honestly, if he can do that, he he becomes like a Ben Zobrist guy. Like, honestly, I think that's Rock Holt. Another good name for a utility. That too. I'd rather him be Ben Zobrist. Brock over one good year. Um, but 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 to be honest, it's one of those like, if he can become a Ben Zobrist, he, that is literally super utility. That is the most honest. All all the all the props given to Vlad and Bichette, he becomes your most important player. Yeah, because he's super mm-hmm. utility. He can play any position he wants, and if his bat continues to grow, that's just. It's, I still it's, think I still it's think bad, it's bad for the Jays because they're gonna have to pay him a shit ton. Yeah. But I think the ceiling is. for his um, bat, like to be really, really good, if he can get it to like a 280, 290 every single year, you take that and run as well, the Jays. Okay. But he also has a, a bunch of power compared to yeah. like one. Like I'm, I'm talking, I'm talking average. No, no, but I'm caring. I'm comparing him to Zobrist, and like Zobrist had okay power, not very. But good. he's also the switch hitter. That was the yeah, that true. was what made him. Special, but, but but the biggest thing with Biggio is is instead of being a switch hitter, he has power. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he's a guy who can hit twenty plus home runs a year, and if he can get that average to two, I, I would even say two seventy five, two eighty. That's mm-hmm. you I was saying ask, top. You couldn't ask for top. yeah. You can't ask for much more than that. So no, I, I agree with you. I think he's uh, he has a really good chance to be a uh, super super solid player. Yep. for the Jays with a couple things that he just needs to, to clean up and he'll be great. great. Can we put in perspective Reese McGuire has a triple? One triple, right? Yes. Yeah. Kyle, yeah. how many times did you get doubles and triples in youth ball? I know, but we're talking MLB spring training. Yeah, spring training is about the same as youth ball. There's a lot of errors made. Yeah, but, but that they don't, you don't count. You don't, you don't get a triple for an error, though. But they don't count it as a triple. They don't count it as an error in spring training. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, lot, lots of optimism though for the, for this upcoming season. So, definitely one of the 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 few Toronto teams that has positivity right now. So, uh, definitely a benefit for that. So. Yeah, for sure. Irfan, anything you want to add quickly before we uh, wrap this up? I'm good. Perfect. Thumbs up. Let's go. Um. All right, boys, that's the end of the show. Let's get to our tire fires. The winner from last week is Kyle. You, you yeah, pulled up the victory, sir. Um, fantastic job on that, even though <laughs> Irfan kind of flubbed the numbers slightly. <laughs> hey, I was truly inspired by the story. <laughs> it was, it was, I probably wouldn't have voted on any other day, but I, I think for that, especially yeah. the, the story behind Lynn and and in recent times, like um, the crimes that we've seen in 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 Cali and and, and was it Cali? And then there was another, it was Atlanta, Atlanta. Sorry, um, sorry for the misinformation on my end, but yeah, but we saw what happened and I think it's a massive story. So yeah, congrats, Kyle. Appreciate it. 
appreciate it. Appreciate it. So we will now move that one into our champion spot and we will take a look at this week and boys i'm going first because i think this is just absolutely hilarious and if you are a golf fan you'll know exactly what i'm about to say <laughs> wesley brown decided that his the best way to attack his shot in the mud was to get down to his underwear tie his shirt up in a crop top <laughs> <laughs> take a couple swings from the mud best part was the first one didn't even get out so he had to walk a couple steps to try to hit it again <laughs> and he goes back and cleans his foot in the water like it was just I, that is a tire fire of a shot the poor guy I think got like mm-hmm. uh, quad or uh, five uh, bogey like that's just not a good hole <laughs> so Wesley Brown or, sorry Wesley Bryan you're my tire fire of the week, my friend. Kyle, you're up. Ohio State basketball. I have to. I I, I can't think of anything else. That's, <laughs> like, it's literally, it's one of those, the amount of hype that was going into Ohio State going through this. Through this, this the Big Ten period. Yeah, Big Ten in general, I guess. Really, you know, there you go. Irfan, you can like, you can go bigger and you can go Big Ten basketball instead. You can like kind of go a little bit bigger. Um, but honestly, it's one of those if you're coming into the into, into the tournament, all the hype surrounding them and stuff like that, and like being a, a number two. Some people would have argued they they wanted a higher seed. I, I don't think so, but that's a whole. It was either them or Michigan getting the last. Yeah, four, and, and and it's one of those. It, it's it's one of those like coming in as a number two seed and getting not only upset but outplayed by Oral Roberts. Um. Just is the game just, was a lot closer on the scoreboard than it was actually played in my. Well, Roberts played the best game they possibly could, hundred percent. Apparently down. not. I don't know if you saw the after the game. He's talking to his, the coach was talking to his team in the in the room after. He's like, yeah. "Guys, we won that game. I still don't think we played our best game yet. Like we made a lot of mistakes that I think we. That's a make. motivation tactic. That's a motivation. No, but he was tactic. no, but he no, was no, talking no, about but... like at halftime. Like the, yeah, there was mistakes that we made. Like we got to fix this, and then he comes in that like oh. there's still mistakes that we made, but we won the game, so we're gonna take it and run. Yeah, yeah, 100%. keep keep improving on yeah. So that's a me, good tire fire. To me, that's that's tire fires. You, you, you can't, you just can't do that. You, you can't do that. The big book. Two minutes. Can't do that. <laughs> All right, Irfan, round out the, the tire fires, my man. Um, I go back to our earlier conversation with Kellen there with uh, Oregon's Sedona Prince when she shared the video. Swaggy P made a comment that, man, y'all not bringing in the big bucks. Y'all the JV team, and it's cool. So Swaggy P is my tire fire because I don't think he understood the whole situation uh, clearly. Um, I think he's being ignorant, and, and, and somebody made a comment. He's like, bro, what team are you on now? Uh um, so yeah, he's my tire fire. So you can, you can, I think, I think there was a, the, 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 the comment on that tweet was two types of men. And there's ones that go out and say, listen, you know, this is unacceptable. Let's move forward. Let's find a problem, like fix the problem. And this guy is just like, oh, Yo, you guys are JVT. What do you expect? And it's like, well, well, no, like, I think you need to choose your words better as, especially as a professional athlete who's won a couple of rings. So yeah, he sits there, they can burn. First off, he has not won a ring. He's been gifted goddamn rings. Let's put it that way. Okay, listen, he has a ring, though. I'll give him that. He has a ring. No matter how you got it, you have a ring. Valentine. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, I know. Those are that's those are four very very good interesting tire fires. I'm I this will be a very interesting week for sure on the on the voting. Uh, make sure you vote on Twitter. It is uh, it's important because we want to make sure our champion is the actual champion. <coughs> Irfan. What? I really like the story. Okay, I won't vote this week. Um, final thoughts, Irfan. You start us off because you were last for tire fires. Sure. Uh, two quick ones. Uh, the PWHPA. What? Hold on. Two uh, PWHPA. I think uh, if you look at the way the NC tournament sort of played out and how the women and the men's game sort of had discrepancy, I think if they're gonna come back and if they do continue to come back with their with their tours and stuff, is to fight more for that equality. So I, I do hope they see this and go, "This shit it cannot happen." If we actually form a full league, um, I hope they use this as motivation. And the other thing is, I want to give some love to Mike Smith. Um, he's five one and zero on the road. Um, I'm not looking at his home stats, but on the road, like uh, I think he's he's been superb for them on the off off home ice. And I think you, when you have a goaltender that can play the puck the way he does and start the breakout plays, like I was watching that, that Calgary game was like seven one and the amount of breakouts that he just Calgary couldn't stop. And, and the other way McDavid's going, you have Ennis going the other way you have Kazoon going, Cahoon going the other way. I mean, kudos to him, big love for, for Mike Smith. Uh, and we talk about the North division, not having a goaltending. I mean, having a goaltender who plays the puck the way he does, uh, just fantastic. And you know what? He's been good for the majority of the season so far, which is a surprise. I don't think anyone expected him to play as well as he has in those six games on the road, especially. Mm-hmm. So full credit to him. Kyle, hit us with your final thought. Uh, final thoughts. I, I'm just excited that there's more sports on right now. Obviously with March Madness and stuff like that, I, I'm super excited for that. Um, it's a, it's a big money maker or a money loser for me as a better. So, um, I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy. It's on right now. And, you know, I got a little soccer parlay working on the way. So, you know, as a, as a betting person right now, I, I'm happy. Speaking of soccer parlays, holy moly, did Byron get really angry for about 10 minutes earlier today? Yeah. 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 Three goals, 10 minutes. Duh. <laughs> early, early payout, early payout. Early payouts are nice for you, eh, Kyle? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You gotta love them. Um, I'm going to build on the women's college basketball story. If you can find a way to watch the game, watch the game. Prove to the NC2A that they need to put some money into it because there is very good basketball play in the women's tournament. I mean, obviously, you get the likes of like UConn and Mississippi State and stuff like that, but there are some great games early in the tournament. Watch them. They deserve, they deserve the credit. And uh, after what the NC2A pulled – the fans are the ones that need to kind of prove it and don't worry we'll definitely get Haley on to talk about this in the near future um but that'll do it for us here this week it's uh it's always great talking to you guys make sure you follow us on twitter at garage door sport on instagram at garage door sports you can check out the website garagedoorsports.com to see our full lineup of shows if you're looking for us individually it's at nick mcvicker at kyle vardy and at Irfan manji respectively we try to tweet out you'll see a lot coming from me um during the tournament because i really like watching the tournament so i'll be watching a lot of it uh but other than that thank you for listening keep listening and we will see you next time.